The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about something that's actually pretty scary. It's about what can happen to you. If you say something stupid or kind of offhanded or maybe kind of like a dark joke in a chat room and how it can come back to really bite you or even destroy your life. And today we're going to be speaking with someone, a high school senior. And of course, we these kinds of things happen on college campuses like the University of California, Irvine, or anywhere. And so this young gentleman is going to share his story. And he's very brave to do it. He's learned from this experience. And he wants to share what happened uh, you know, to him and how it could happen to anyone. So let me tell you a little bit about Steve. Steve has grown up in California, and when his father had a research project in Western Europe, he got the opportunity to actually live and go to school in Europe for two years when he was a teenager. Um, He started club sports at the age of 12, and he's just really done incredibly well. And in 2019, he was in the top 100 in the world of 18 and under, And he practices at least 23 hours a week. And he is a, he's in AP classes. He gets A's all the time. He's a, he's a bright young man. He's done well. He's from a really nice family. He was nominated as a scholar athlete and wants to continue his degree in sports medicine. In his sophomore year, he made an inappropriate comment about the school in a private chat room that seemed kind of, you know, dark humor to him. You know how kids are. You know, a sophomore is not that old to just kind of do a stupid statement. And he shared that with the group members in his chat room. Uh, he He's going to tell us what exactly happened, but this got him in trouble with police, got him in trouble with school. And he he learned a great deal about himself and about chat rooms, the internet, and how really, really scary all this can be. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. You there? Hi, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah. What is your sport? Uh, it's uh, swimming. Oh, great. I was a swimmer in college and in high school, so I can relate. Great. 
So let's let's get down to the nitty gritty. And and by the way, I just honor you for being so brave to share this. I am sure you know. Actually, I saw something on uh, on PBS about somebody else that this happened to as well. So you are not alone. And I think by sharing your story, you can probably save a lot of other people from the pain and anguish that you and your parents went through. So why don't you tell us exactly about that chat group and kind of what happened that day so yeah so i was in a private snapchat group with teens athletes about 20 to 30 people but usually 10 to 15 that were active in the chat so there'd be a lot of trash talking and it'd be without judgment and two years later obviously i see it as transient behavior of teens to try to release some emotions during uh, you know a stressful time in their life um i had long hair and then i made a snap with an ironic comment and somebody didn't like that comment and said back to me, uh, shut up, you look like a school shooter. And then I replied and with, with what I replied, and then it went forward from there. You want to say what you replied? Uh, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm going to fucking shoot up a school. Oh, yeah. So, was you know, what, what happens is when you're in a chat room, you don't really think that, that it's going to get out of that chat room. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And I think everybody thinks that. And did you know all the people in the chat room? Uh, to to the most of my extent, yes. Uh, I knew most of that chat group, and I knew most of them wouldn't have said anything normally. Now, uh, were the people in the chat room known to you, like, physically? Like, did you know them, or did you just meet them online? I mean, did you really uh, know them, like hang out with them or what? I knew them as people. Sometimes uh, some of them I knew, like I'd hang out with them, but uh, most, uh, yeah, most of them I would hang out with them, but uh, some of them I just knew by name and by association. Yeah, see, that's what's really scary. When you're, when you're online, you start to think you know people and you've never maybe met them in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of scary. So, okay, so then what happened after that comment? So about a week or two later, uh, you know, I'd already forgotten about uh, whatever I said, and it was finals week, so it was time to get ready for, uh, I had to get ready for a chemistry final, and I later learned through a, that it was a third-hand report, so somebody saw uh, what I said, then took a picture, then sent it to someone else, who then reported it to the police, but then at that point, it was, you know, I, I didn't think that far through about uh, what happened. So they reported it to the police. And then what happened? Well, the police, while I was studying for my chemistry test, I was about to go to bed and I, uh, I, I go to bed and I have uh, I wake up 30 minutes later to six policemen standing in my room, standing uh, flashing flashlights in my face, telling me how I, uh, you know, I have to put, get out of my bed and put some clothes on. Then they, you know, put uh, handcuffs on me and then they walked me out my, uh, walked me out the door. Wow. So tell me how you felt about all this. I, when I, when it first happened, I had no idea um, what was going on even. Uh, They didn't say anything to me until we made it to the cruiser. My mom was sobbing. She didn't know what was going on. Um, You know, uh, you know, the, the feeling of risk, uh, the feeling of uh, 
handcuffs on my wrists was a new experience. I mean, not something that you want to feel ever. You know, there was so much pressure on on my wrists, and there was immediately a psychological one as well. It's like I'm trapped. You must have been scared to death, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I uh, you know I lost I lost my innocence that day, and I lost the ability to be a child and to see the world. You know, be with my naive and optimistic view. What about your parents? Uh, my parents, my mom was, uh, you know, she was heartbroken. She, she was, uh, sobbing in front of the police officers, asking them what I did. They couldn't give her a response. My sister tried to keep a level head and my dad was sadly out of the country. Oh my God. So were they looking for guns? What were they looking for? Did they, did they search the house? No, there was no search whatsoever. It was just me getting pulled out and outside into their police cruiser and that was it. And then I was taken to the hospital. Oh, taken to the hospital. Why were you taken to the hospital? So what, uh, what ended up happening was people reported that I had cuts on my wrist and they thought I was suicidal. So they believed that this was a cry for help and that by saying what I said, that I was really looking, I was looking for a way out. Oh. But it wasn't true, obviously. Right, right. But that, that is sometimes the case, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so what did they take you to, a psychiatric hospital? No, they took me to a normal hospital, uh, and they just put me in an emergency room. All they, uh, The only differences I had was that I had a person watching over me for my whole stay. Uh, even with when I used the restroom, I'd have his, you know, they would keep their foot in the door and, you know, make sure I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. So what happened? I mean, did did kids call you? Uh, you did you go to school the next day? Uh, no, I was in the hospital for three days because I kept being evaluated psychologically and they couldn't find any acute symptoms and they couldn't understand why uh, I would say such a thing while also not showing any symptoms. So you had psychiatrists evaluating you? Correct. And you told them exactly what happened? I told them exactly what happened. I told them that I was joking, that it wasn't serious, that it was just dark humor. Um, and many times, the first psychologist that I encountered told me it was all my fault. She then turned to my mom and would say, uh, you raised this, you're the reason kids aren't showing up to school today, people are scared. Mm. So I, I was telling them the truth and they and that that psychologist especially would uh, would interpret it uh, loosely. Right. Right. Wow. Scary stuff. So let's talk about, um, you know, now it's been a couple of years It's two years. You're a senior now. And did you ever talk with that that group again? You know, your your chat group again? Did you ever go back in that chat group? Uh, I never went back to the chat group, but I did talk to the, the people that, uh, the key members that I knew weren't involved in the whole situation uh, because it, it wasn't very difficult to figure out who was involved in what. Um, there was kind of a whole story behind it. And so to the people who weren't involved in it, I talked to them and, you know, they, they were very sympathetic with me. They tried to help me as best as they could with um, the aftermath of everything. And now that I'm back at the school, they're, we're still good friends. We just, I just no longer engage in those group uh, chats. Or groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So how, how do you view that experience now? It's been two years and you can probably have like a helicopter view and think, oh my God, was that me? Did I really go through that? Right? It's, mm. it's probably hard for you to even imagine that you really had to go through that, right? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a terrible thing to go through, but, you know, it was a big issue. It's a big issue in our society and, you know, law enforcement had to react. But there should have been a background check uh, since there was no imminent threat or harm to others at 12 a.m. Mind you, I was uh, I was uh, approached at 12 a.m. Uh, 12 a.m. by the police. Uh, there were no weapons at the house and uh, or or uh, you know attempts to get any, and the police knew that as well. And you know there were other similar cases there where uh, same things happened, but you know the kid was let off a lot sooner and a lot easier. Um, you know, there could have been a forced interview, an investigation at the station, but obviously my opinion is very subjective and, you know, I believe it was still an overreaction on the part of the police and a, a little use of excessive force. Um, and it especially could have been influenced by those who reported me or by their parents. Um, but, you know, they put me in a hospital, not in juvenile hall. And that year, several incidents like that happened to our school and our community after the uh, after Parkland. Well, you can understand. I mean, actually, they were more lenient than taking you and throwing you in a jail. You know, I mean, taking you to the hospital, from my perspective, is is like thinking, OK, you have a problem. They they didn't want to think that you were just a, a, a bad person. They thought that you had some problem that they didn't because you didn't have anything in your background that ever showed you like that. You know, you're a really good student. You're an athlete, all these things. It doesn't fit the category of someone who's alienated. So, you know, I kind of see it differently that taking you to the hospital was less, um, less aggressive than putting you in jail, Right. I mean, they could have just put you in jail because that's what they have the ability to do. So um, I see it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I think it's hard because you, you had to go through it. I think, you know, putting you in handcuffs, I, I just wonder why they did that. You weren't really fighting them, but they didn't know, you know, if you were going to fight them. So, you know, you know, they don't know. Okay, so I, I hear there's a theory that teenagers are often talking about fake violence. Um, do you think that's true? And what, what do they mean by fake violence? So, I mean, uh, at an adolescent brain, uh, age, the brain is still developing. And um, so right now we're pushing boundaries. Teenagers like doing that. You know, we, we need room for that psychological relief from the loads of sport and, you know, academic pressure that we have. Uh, swearing, as you know, is common among teens too. Trash talking and this so-called uh, fake violence is also uh, is also a big thing. However, there's a there's a certain disconnect and a lack of knowledge of the consequences. You know, the law only says about like a fire in a theater or a bomb in an airplane. Right. And uh, there's also a disconnect between you know First Amendment speech and criminal threats with interpretation of context. Yeah. Um, and plus some cult. And, for some people, it's cultural differences. You know, Switzerland, almost every house has an assault rifle, but there's no issues with school shooting in it. You know, it's uh, it's something that only happens in America, and that may contribute to the misunderstanding of, you know, the gravity of these words. So I know that you took AP Psych, psychology, and mm-hmm. um, you ended up writing 
about this, didn't you, in your AP psych class? Yes. And and what did you? How did you really compare what you learned um, in psychology with what happened with you? How did you really compare that? Well, uh, in my in my uh, essay that I wrote, I did a comparison on the grave impact of what happened to me. You know, being subjugated to what I had been through. Uh, obviously, as you said. The hospital may have been a little lenient, but what came afterwards was not lenient by any measure. Uh, many kids would be able to get out of the uh, juvenile court system very quickly, while I had to stay in it due to external pressures. And not only that, there were several other cases opened against me in places where they shouldn't have been opened uh, due to that external pressure. So, you know, in my psychology essay, I wrote a lot about how it was difficult and how you know, there is a lot of growth to be had from it. It was a very one, one of the probably one of the biggest events of my life, and in a negative way, yeah. something that I'll always remember. Right, right. Well, let me ask you this: so, um, do you think there's kind of pressure to like look cool in these chat rooms, like, you know, say something that's like shocking just to get people's reaction? I think so, yeah. Sometimes shocking humor is something that is appealing to teens, but also it's just a way to, to vent your frustrations. You know, sometimes there are people who say in this class, uh, oh, this, te- this teacher is so-and-so, or, you know, she should die, or, or stuff along those lines that everybody knows isn't serious. But uh, for, some who, for those who look, you know, from above, from, for administrators, for teachers, for parents, it may look like something serious. Although in some cases it very much is and it needs to be monitored. Right. I think that there's so much fear for kids to, I mean, when, when I was in high school, um, you know, I, I mean, the thing that we worried about was like atom bombs and we'd get under the table. But now you have to really worry about the kid next to you bringing a gun to school. I mean, this, this, this is kind of, I guess your generation is more used to hearing about it, but parents are terrified to send their kids to school. And if, and if the school doesn't do something and if the police don't do something and then you turned out to be someone who really was suicidal and wanted to take everything, everybody with you, then they would be you know, at, at fault for this, and people would die. So, I mean, you have to kind of look at it both ways, right? What yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about what happened with the school, because I know that was a huge issue for you. It was worse than three days in the hospital, right? Mm-hmm, it was. Talk about it. So, yeah, so the first thing that happened to me was I was informed of a five-day suspension, and then when that five-day uh, suspension ended, uh, you know, uh, my administrators were told my parents only to come to the school and to have a meeting about reintegration. What happened at that meeting was instead of reintegration, it was a recommendation to expel. You know, when my parents came home that day, it was a huge shock to me. Uh, after that was a long administrative process with an administrative hearing. Um, I couldn't talk to most of my teachers for some reason. And then the school uh, and the district uh, reached their decision to expel me. And then afterwards came the appeal. So did any of the teachers contact you by phone or try and talk to you? Uh, some, some of them I emailed and I reached out to try to get some information. Uh, one of my teachers was kind enough to 
he said, uh, I didn't, uh, I, you've been excused from the final. Uh, you'll receive a zero for it. However, since I know that's not fair, I will bump your grade from a D to a C. Aww. And yeah, it was. You it couldn't was a even kind take gesture. the final. You couldn't even take the final, like at home or anything, or you know, with somebody watching you, like a monitor in a different place. They wouldn't let you do that, huh? Hmm. Uh, no, and and they should have been able to. They should have been able to proctor the test out and be able to uh, distribute it to me, you know, under the watch yeah. of a proctor. Yeah. Yeah. So then what happened at the, uh, at the appellate level? What, what happened? So the, uh, the case then went to the, um, the County Board of Education. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, we retained a lawyer who then helped set up our case and show that there was a, uh, a violation of law of California ed- uh, the education code. Yes, uh, regarding my due process rights and the reason to expel was not supported by evidence. Um, and so when we did that, they also showed that there was no threat evaluation. And because of that, the court, excuse me, the county board appealed or voted to reverse the expulsion and expunge the record. Okay, so how long were you out of school from when to when? Well, that's where it becomes tricky. Uh, the expungement happened, uh, within May of the same year, uh, that I was, uh, expelled. Uh, I was expelled in March and then in May I was, uh, the decision was reversed. However, I did not return back to the school of, uh, you know, my, my actual school until, uh, January of the following year. So what were you doing during that time? Uh, I was in uh, homeschool for um, uh, up until the reversal of the expulsion. And then I was in uh, homeschool also up until the summer. Then once the next semester started, I entered a different school in the district. So what about all your friends that you had uh, before that and, and the ones that knew what was really going on? I mean, how do, how was that with all your peers? Um, many of them understood what happened was um, not fair, and they agreed that it shouldn't have happened. A lot of them helped me to try to get those letters of character and letters of recommendation that uh, that were needed in order to help me get out of my situation. Um, but some did turn their backs to me, and, you know, they didn't care that they knew that I would joke like that. They didn't care that they knew that they would joke like that. They just went with, oh, but you said such a thing. So, mm, Yeah, yeah. How did that feel? Uh, it felt heartbreaking, you know, knowing people for so long, being friends with them, building that friendship, and then they just turn their backs on you because, you know, you, you made a misstep. And it's a misstep that they may have made the next day that I know I wouldn't have turned my backs. Uh, turn my back on them. Yeah. So what do you think was the greatest learning about yourself? Uh, Obviously, it may sound a little horrible to teenagers right now, but to listen and obey to your parents, you know, those thanks to my parents who fought a lot and fiercely, uh, you know, all the way to the end, uh, who helped me get out of the situation. To be cautious on social media, 
your words can be twisted and misinterpreted. Like don't, don't trust anybody or their, uh, their, you know, marketing of privacy and just, it's also important to the uh, to schools to educate teenagers on the rules, the laws, and the consequences of the situations that can happen during that time. For example, you know we get taught uh, in seventh grade about sex education, but then there's no Romeo and Juliet laws in California, meaning if you have sex, uh, you know under the age of 18, it's illegal and it's statutory rape. Right, right. They well, don't they teach that, or they, do they? No, no, they just they tell don't. us that they just tell us about sex, but they don't tell us oh. that there are restrictions on that up until, you know, you're 18. You know, it's it's an interesting phenomena where we find out about something, uh, you know, related to sex, but then we're not supposed to do anything till we're 18. But right. no school ever told us that. Right. Huh. So I know you've reestablished yourself and you're doing really well now. Uh, what did you do to reestablish, you know, to get yourself back? in the school community? Well, I did a lot of presentations on the issues for my peers. I were I had a lot of community activism. Uh, for example, I helped immigrants to prepare for citizenship exams. I helped raise money for free swim lessons for underserved kids. And as a student athlete, I made presentations on rights at our uh, school board meetings. And I also worked with the local publishing, local publishing media to bring attention to those issues in the press. Well, that's really good. So it looks like uh, you've learned your lesson and you're able to um, you know, overcome all this. Have you? Do you really feel like you have? Uh, you know, a part of me feels like it's over, but then there's a huge part of me that doesn't feel like it's over, you know? Uh, for example, uh, this fall I was denied a recruiting visit because of a call from the chancellor's office. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it was just somebody, one of my old nemesis, uh, you know, Somebody who I'm no longer friends with decided to try to hurt me, mm. and they they did. But however, I signed the letter of intent with my uh, with a college team for my dream school, and uh, you know I'm hoping to be there this upcoming fall. Yeah. So you know it's like that that thing the right to delete. You know what I mean? <laughs> there really yeah. should be something like that. So um, from your heart, what? What do you want to tell people that that are just like you? You know, what do you want to tell them? Because we're well, just about over with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So think about what you say and think about what you send before you send it. You know, once you put it out there, it's out there forever. Uh, no matter what, uh, whatever encryption process or whatnot, once it's out there, it can be accessed by someone. And you need to know that. And recognize that there may be consequences for what you say or what you put out there. Yeah. I mean, I'll, even from my clients, they might text me something so stupid. You know, think before you send. If you write something, you know, stop, pause, think before you send anything online, before you say anything in a chat group. Because I notice that sometimes you say something, people will say something and they think it's a joke and, and I take it seriously. So I think that's a really, really important point because we're just rushing to do things. But I am, I'm so glad that you're sharing your story with us. And I think, I think it's a book in the making. And I think it would be good. It would really be helpful to you. So thank you so much, Steve, for sharing your story. I know you're going to do wonderful things in this world. And I know you're going to do great at college. And I just honor you for, um, 
for growing and learning. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. We will, uh, I want to keep hearing from you. You Just let me know all the great things that's happening in college, okay? Will do. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Frank, host of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And this morning, we're going to talk about home security tips. So whether you're in an apartment or whether you're in a home, these still apply. So here's some tips to remember. First of all, always lock your windows and doors when you go out, even if it's only for a couple minutes or to go down the hall. All windows should have two locks. Remember to place a wooden metal stick in all sliding doors and windows or place a security pin, a large nail will also work, through the frame. Keep the landscaping around your home trimmed around the doorways, windows, and light fixtures. And keep your porch lights on from dusk to dawn. We're going to be giving you some more tips later on, so thank you. (laughs) 